We're in a series called The Ultimate Summer Road Trip. And what we're doing, we're looking at different passages in the Old Testament, different heroes of the faith, if you will. And we're looking at how can we learn from their race? How can we learn from their race? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 is our theme verse for this series. And I want to, I want to read it together. It just simply says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The word I want to focus on this morning is the word perseverance. I looked it up in the dictionary this week and the definition of persevere means to continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty or with no or little prospect of success. You see, the race of life is easy when everything's going well. Can I get a witness, right? When sun's shining and the bills are all paid and you just got a raise and the new car's shining and, and, and you got the new relationships going great and your boss is happy with you, I tell you what, it's very easy to run the race. You're like, I got this thing, you know? But what about whenever the bills are due and there's more month than there is money and you just got notified that you may... There may be changes happening in the company and what and the relationship's not going so good and things have not turned out the way that you want them. See, it's in those moments that I want to help you along with today because if you're not there right now, you're going to be. Like all of us are going to face moments of life that we don't understand that we're going to have to learn how to persevere. Could you say that with me? Persevere. And no one better, I believe, in the Bible to talk to us about not getting what you thought you were going to get and persevering through it is the story of a man in the Old Testament named Jacob. There's a lot we could talk about Jacob's life, but I want to zero in on one particular story that happened to him in his life. And it's in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 20. Hey, check out the message notes with me or read on the screens. I want you to follow along with me and we're going to see what we can learn from Jacob's story. It says in verse 20, so Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed like a few days. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. And he said, I've fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Pretty plain. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpha, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel, and you have tricked me. You know, there are a lot of things about the Bible that are hard to understand. You know, even whenever Peter was talking about the Apostle Paul, he said, you know, Paul writes some things that are hard to understand. So I'm thankful that just because I have questions sometime about the Bible that I don't understand, I'm not alone in that. You know, if you have questions, that's, hey, this is a safe place to have questions. We don't have it all figured out. But there are a lot of incredible, incredible things in the Bible. You have you have things like a fish that swallowed Jonah that was that that for he was in the fish's belly for 3 days and 3 nights and then the fish spits him up onto dry land and 
You have other extravagant stories like whenever, um, when, whenever you have Joshua who told the very son to stand still and it stood still. Or the story of Moses stretching his rod out over the Red Sea and psh, dry ground, you know? I mean, a lot of pretty extravagant, extravagant, unbelievable stories in the Bible, right? But I dare say that I think this story we just read is probably one of the most unbelievable stories because I've had a wedding night and I cannot fathom the fact that he was expecting to marry one lady and then he goes to the wedding ceremony, he goes to the honeymoon night and Jacob wakes up the next day and it's not the one that he loved, it was her sister. Guys, that's pretty hard to imagine, you know? You tell me he didn't peek just one time, you know? I guess a veil can cover a multitude of sins, you know? But she had that veil on, and it was dark, the Bible said, and I don't know, this brother must have, I don't know if he had too much to drink or what was happening, but the Bible says all night long he didn't know he was with the wrong girl, all night long, he didn't realize it. Could you imagine on your wedding night waking up the next morning and you married the wrong person? <laughs> like, what a story. I, I tell you what, that, I couldn't imagine how that would happen on my worst day. You know what I'm saying, you know? Man, I, had, I was excited about that. I had worked. Could you imagine waking up the next day and <laughs> who are you? You know, I thought I was marrying your sister. What a story. What a I could almost believe more that, you know, you had, you had the ark inside of the well and then the well and there's a, you know, I mean, I could almost believe any extravagant things than somebody marrying the wrong person and all night long and the next day you wake up and it's not even the person you thought you were with. What a story. What's God trying to teach us through this story, you know? What's he trying to say? Brothers, you need to make sure you look under that veil, you know? Anybody who's about to get married, just FYI, you know, you need to check what you're marrying, you know, you need to make sure what you're getting, you know. <laughs> what's God trying to teach us about this? Well, before we look into that, I want to give you a little bit of backstory about what's happening in this story at all. Jacob, you see, was the grandson of Isaac. You hear a lot of times God being referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is Jacob. He's a son of Isaac. And Jacob had problems with his brothers, his brother named Esau. He was constantly fighting with him because Jacob had tricked his brother out of his birthright, which was essentially the family inheritance and blessing. He had tricked himself out of it and it had caused strife in his family. And at one point, he literally runs away from his brother, runs, tries to run away from his problems, and he runs to a man's house named Laban, which was another family member of his. And whenever he goes to Laban's house, he has an encounter that changes him. He sees a girl. Her name was Rachel. She was so beautiful, the Bible says, that just the moment he saw her, he was smitten that, man, he had to be with her. I want to show it to you in the Bible about what was happening here. In verse 16, it's in your notes. It says, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. Why don't you say that with me, Leah? But the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. The Bible says that she was beautiful. The Bible says she had a great figure. 
The Bible says that she was blessed and that she was beautiful and that she was uh, above the rest. She was easy on the eyes. If the Bible says you're pretty, you're pretty, you know? If God says you look good, then you look good, sister. And the Bible says Jacob fell in love with Rachel and said, I will work seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. He said, man, I'll do anything. See, Rachel's easy to love. Her name comes from the word lamb or you lamb or, or beautiful. Or she, she was this precious, uh, beautiful thing. But she had a sister, the Bible says, that was tender-eyed, which is Hebrew for U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Yeah, yeah, you ugly. If God says you ugly, then you ugly. <laughs> God says you got tender eyes. <laughs> That's like saying she's got a great personality, you know. <laughs> I was saying her sister, she had a figure and she was a looker, man. She was like a model. And her other sister, she had a great personality, you know. She just was sweet as can be, you know. That's what God, that was a bless your heart kind of thing. You know, you know what, as a Christian, you can say, you can say about anything as long as you say bless your heart at the end of it, you know? Man, that girl is just, she just tender-eyed, bless her heart, you know? Man, that, that guy's crazy, you know, bless his heart, right? You know, you can say about anything. It's kind of like the, the great, you know, she was ugly. You know, as a kid, we used, to, we, we used to say your mama jokes. I don't know if anybody ever said your mama jokes before or know what I'm talking about, but I got thinking about that and got laughing to myself this week. Here, here's some, here's some, here's some, this is ugly. You know what I'm talking about? It says, your mama's so ugly, even Hello Kitty said goodbye. That's ugly, you know? Says, your mom is so ugly when she watches TV, the channels change themselves. <laughs> your mom is so ugly when she walked into a bank and they turned off the surveillance cameras. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> your mom is so ugly, she makes an onion cry. That's a good one. <laughs> I love this one. Your mom is so ugly that the government moved Halloween to her birthday. She was ugly. <laughs> that's bad. Leah was ugly. What's God trying to tell us? Leah, Leah, was, Leah was not, she, her name didn't come from the derivative of a, of a ewe lamb. Her name actually comes from the derivative of another animal. It's right there in the Hebrew of her name, it just simply means cow or wild cow. They're very different, these two sisters. What's God trying to tell us? He loves Rachel. He sees her. He's immediately in love with her, but he gets Leah. I guess Rachel represents everything beautiful that we work for and that we strive for in life. Everything we dream about having or accomplishing, Rachel is a dream come true. She represents beauty beyond expectation and our hearts leap with joy. Everything is good and fair and just. All of our plans work out just like we expected they would. Time flies because we have such a well-favored future and our future's bright and we're reaching for the stars and all of our goals are reached and all our degrees are made. Everything is wonderful. See, Rachel is so easy to love. She's beautiful, you see. She's so easy to love. But Leah, on the other hand, represents the disappointments of life, the broken dreams, the hurts, the pains, the wasted time. 
the frustrations, the disappointments, the depression, the shattered expectation, the canceled plans, the empty promises, the false hopes, the trickery, the deception, the lies, all the things in life that are tiring and all the things that are disgusting. How often has it been in our lives that we thought we had worked for Rachel, the love of our life, but whenever the morning light came, there was Leah. Lovely, well-favored Rachel was gone and our life was traded for disgusting Leah. And you just wake up and there it is. Here's the first point of the day is simply this, is that Jacob was disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed at what you have in life? Have you ever looked and woke up next to something that you never thought in life you would wake up next to? The Bible says that Jacob hated Leah. He loved Rachel, but he hated the thing that he woke up next to. She was like some kind of an addiction, some type of a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction. She was like a bad marriage or, or wrong choices or poor decisions. She never, he never meant to marry it, but he just woke up next to it, and there it is. See, You see, Leah attaches itself to you. Though you despise it, it lingers there in the shadows of your life. It becomes an inseparable part of who you are, and you hate it. Because you never intended to marry it. You never intended to be in the shape that you're in in your life right now. You never dream that you would be where you are. It's just like you woke up one day and there was Leah. You just woke up one day and you didn't get what you wanted. You woke up one day and you got disappointed. It was a setup. It was a trick. You see, this is how Satan works in our lives. He deceives us by giving us empty promises and fulfilling them with broken dreams. And he says that if you'll live out for your life for your own pleasure, and if you'll do what feels good, then you're gonna, man, if, you're, if it feels so right, how could it ever be wrong, you know? Just do what you wanna do. Live life how you want to. You're your own person. Who's God to tell you what you should do? Shouldn't you do whatever you wanna do? And you live life and you do things the way you wanna do and it's fun and it's awesome and the pleasure of sin is amazing for a season and then somehow some way there's a switch that takes place and you didn't even realize it and you wake up one day next to Leah and Rachel is so far away I'm talking to somebody today that you've made some mistakes in your life. I'm talking to somebody today that you have a disappointment that has defined you. I'm talking to somebody today that when you think of doing what God's called you to do, you immediately are reminded of a troubled past, of a Leah that you woke up next to that you're ashamed of and that you're afraid that everyone else will know what you've done. I want you to know that God never intended your Leah to be the thing that disconnects you from your destiny. It could it be that God actually wants to take the mistakes of your life, take the pains of your life and use it for good. You see, anybody can use the good things in your life, but it takes God to be able to take the broken things 
and put them back together. Here's the word of encouragement I believe Jacob would tell us today. Here's this. When life looks ugly, you can't change the past. How many times do we live trying to change the past? When life looks ugly, you can't change the past. But you can give your future to the one who makes all things beautiful. You can't change your past. The story has been written. But you can give the rest of your story to the one who can make it all beautiful. That's what Jacob would say. Because the thing about Jacob's life is he never got rid of Leah. He never kicked her out of the house. He never said, you're divorced. He never said, this whole thing's over, I quit. But he endured the hardship. He suffered through it. He owned what had happened And then he begins to move forward. And here's what I find so interesting about this story is that he ended up working seven more years and getting the one that he wanted. He ended up marrying Rachel, the one that he wanted to be with. But would you know that Leah actually produced more children for him than Rachel did? Would you know that Leah actually produced more in his life then the thing that he the thing that he hated come on somebody i'm talking to somebody the thing that he hated the thing that he thought would do him in the thing that he was ashamed of the thing that he never imagined would have happened it actually produced more for him than the thing that he thought he needed the most could it be that God actually uses the broken pieces in our life to make the greatest masterpieces? Could it be that God doesn't use all of the things that we think we need to, to bless us, but he uses the things, the mistakes and the problems that if we'll, instead of being ashamed, instead of being afraid, instead of quitting, instead of saying, you know what, I'm just going to come to the church. I'm not going to get involved because then people will know I got issues. I want to tell you, we all have issues. We've all woke up next to Leah. Leah. But if we'll allow it to, and if your name's Leah this morning, I apologize. I'm sure you are the most beautiful person ever. (laughs) I probably should have said that a lot earlier in this message. Maybe if you listen to the podcast, we'll take that and put it at the first of that message. So what did Leah produce? Here we go, and I'll be done today. One of the son, I want to go through some of the sons, Leah, and this could be a message a lot longer than what I'm going to preach, but it's, I just want to show you if, if you allow pain in your life, if you, instead of being afraid, instead of letting the devil win in your past, if you'll give it to God, I just want to show you what God will give you, what God will produce through you. Here's the first thing. He, she had a son named Reuben, which simply means vision of a son, vision of a son. I want, if you'll give your pain to God, whatever your pain is, if you'll give that to God today, I want you to know God will give you a brand new vision of who you are and what he can do in your life. Psalm 119.71 says, my suffering was good for me. Time out. That does not make sense, people. My suffering was good for me? He said, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. In other words, God, if, if I didn't give this pain to you, I would never seek you like I, like I am right now. C.S. Lewis says we can ignore God in our pleasure, but pain insists on being intended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If you're in pain today, please understand, God isn't causing your pain, but if you'll give it to him, he's speaking to you through your pain. And he's saying, hey, you don't have to be that. 
If you'll give it to me, I'll give you something beyond what you have. See, creativity is what God gives you. The the enemy takes things away and says, look, you got Leah. Nothing's ever going to happen. Then God steps through and says, look, I'll give you a Reuben. I'll give you fresh vision through your pain. Here's the second thing. She had a son named Simon, which Simon simply means to hear, or I'll, I'll say this, compassion, compassion. You know what? People that have not been through things do not have compassion for people that are going through things. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, God, in other words, God through our pain gives us a compassion for other people. Like helps us to hear one another. You know, there's one thing that is a thread between every single person in this building. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. If you're raised with a silver spoon, a plastic spoon, or no spoon in your mouth. There's a singular thread that runs through every single person, and it's this, pain. Every one of us have had some Leah moments where we had some pain in our lives. And here's the beauty of the church. And and here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you will open yourself up, if you allow your pain to cause you to say, hey, yeah, me too. And see, the devil wants to take your pain and say, you know what? I'm just going to come on Sunday mornings and I'm not going to be there. And I'm just going to, you know, because I got some pain and I don't want anybody to know. But that's what I love about small groups. That's what I love. Um, um, Kara's hosting a small group this Tuesday night. And the thing that I love about small groups, I host one for men on, th- on Thursday mornings. There's hiking small groups. There are different small groups that take place. And what I love about small groups is it's a, it's a time where we can be real about our pain. We can say, yeah, 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 me too. I've had some issues too. And we can comfort one another and have compassion for one another. I pray that this church is never just a Sunday morning song and a sermon, but it's a body of people that doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what your past is like. That here we can come together and allow God to heal us. And allow God to do a work in us. I don't just want to see buildings full of thousands of just random people coming for a concert on a Sunday morning. I want this to be a living, breathing body that when people walk in here with problems and pain, that they can say, they can come shoulder to shoulder with people and say, yeah, 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 I've been there too. God's touched my life. He's touching my life. And we can do this thing together. That's what we're doing. Here's the third thing that it produced in her life is Levi. If you know anything about the Old Testament, this is the tribe that became the Levitical priesthood. (laughs) This ugly girl had the priesthood locked up inside of her. Why didn't God let the priesthood come out of the beautiful thing? God let the ministry, God let the ministry come out of the brokenness. See, the God, the, the, your greatest ministry is going to come out of your greatest pain. Your greatest ministry is going to come out of your greatest brokenness. Your greatest ministry is probably going to come out of your greatest failure. The thing that the enemy meant to destroy you with, if you'll give it to God, he'll actually turn it into a ministry. He'll turn it into something that not only led you to God, but leads other people to God. 
Don't have time to talk to you from 1 Chronicles chapter 4 about Jabez. But Jabez's name, his name was pain. See, some of us, we are, we just, we're just defined by our pain. But God enlarged him and gave him influence so much so beyond his pain. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to enlarge you in the middle of your pain. Some of us think that the way that we solve all of our pain is to deal with our pain. Like, man, I need to, I need to buy 10 books about my depression. I need to go to five doctors. I need to do all these things. And nothing's wrong with reading a book. Nothing wrong with going to a doctor. But understand this, the moment you get one thing solved in your life, I promise something else is going to break, you know? Seems like the moment I get my car clean, uh, my garage is dirty. And the moment I get my garage all clean, you know what? I got to clean something else. And it's like, there's, it never, I can never keep all the plates spinning at one time. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? See, the answer to solve your problems and deal with your pain is not to deal with your pain. The, 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 the way to solve your problems is to help somebody else with theirs. Because what you'll find, your problems aren't going to go away, but you'll have something bigger than your problems in your life. You got a problem? Hey, go to serve day next Saturday. I promise you. Your problem may not go away, but you know what? You're going to walk away with some purpose and say, yeah, yeah, this is what I was made for. Problem, you're not going to get me down. I may deal with this the rest of my life, but you know what? God's in control and it's all going to be all right because I got a purpose. And here's the last thing that it produced. Musicians, you could come. It produced Judah. Judah. Judah was one of her sons, and Judah's name simply means praise. You see, true worship doesn't come whenever you got Rachel on your arm and everything's hunky dory and everything's wonderful, and you got the new house and you got the new, and everything's great and the marriage is great. Anybody can praise God. For, for all the good things. But worship happens whenever you wake up and all you see is Leah. Worship happens whenever all you look around and it doesn't make sense and it looks like God's trying to kill you. It looks like God's against you. It looks like, God, are you even real? And then something rises up inside of you and you say, oh God, even if I don't understand you, I'm gonna worship you. God, even if this cancer doesn't go away, it's not going to stop me. It's like the Hebrew boys in, in the fiery furnace. They say, you know what? We believe God can deliver us, but if he doesn't deliver me, I'm still not going to bow. See, somebody needs to let your pain give you that kind of a resolve. You say, you know what? Yes, there's some bad situations in my life, but just so you know, Satan, I'm going to still praise God because I'm praising God, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. He's in control. Psalms chapter 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> I wish somebody would just do that here in this place this morning. I will bless the Lord right here in my situation. I will bless the Lord right here in my problem. I will bless the Lord even when I don't understand. He was saying this whenever he was before a king, an evil king that was trying to hurt him and destroy him. He said, right here in the midst of this pain, right here in the midst of this trouble, I will bless the Lord. At all times, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Can we stand all over the house? And then Isaiah 49, when it's all said and done, I won't take the time to read the, this passage. But I just want to summarize it very quickly for the sake of time this morning. At the end of Jacob's life, 
both of his wives, which he needed prayer for that period. He had two married sisters, so God, he probably could have had his own TV show these days, you know, like a true TV show or something. But he buried, he buried Rachel in one place, and then he buried Leah in another place. And I found it so interesting this week whenever I was reading this. He said, bury me at the cave of the field in Mechpah. He said there, his mom and his dad and his grandfather were there. He said, and there I buried Leah. Essentially said, at the end of his days, he said, you would think he would say, bury me with Rachel. Like at the end of my days, bury me with, she was fine with a capital fine. Like she was fine. Bury me with my dreams. Bury me with the beautiful thing. But he doesn't say that. He says, at the end of the day, I want you to bury me next to the thing that I thought was going to be the thing that did me. Bury me next to the ugly thing. Because I realized that at the end of the day, it wasn't all the things that I wanted that made me great. But it was whenever I surrendered to God, he actually took ugly things that I never thought I would love. And he actually turned it around And when I gave it to God, he produced so much in my life. And at the end of our days, I'll dare say that you will love the things that you thought you hated because you'll realize that God actually used them to make you who you are today. So would you give it to him right now in this place? Would you just lift up the broken dreams to God today? Lift up those broken relationships that didn't work out or that job situation that's not working. Whatever's broken in your life. Let's, can we just be real for the next five minutes as we sing this song? And I just want us all over the place just to lift up our needs to God. And, and, and if you dare say you can speak it under your breath. But no one else can.